Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, today on Kidney Talk, we're going to discuss a subject that I know is so important to probably everybody listening. It's about your skin and why is it dry and what are some things that we can do. Well, today we have a very special guest, Yuval Beebe. He's a board-certified dermatologist. He works in Burbank, California. He recently just spoke at our educational meeting, and he got great reviews, and he's going to share some of the knowledge that he provided at the meeting. So welcome to the show, Dr. Beebe. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about skin issues with people with kidney disease? Can you just maybe go over that? Because I think it's important. Um, We're just not like everybody else, and we have a more tendency to have itchy skin or dry skin. Uh, I think those are the two major issues that are chronic with many kidney patients, and those are dry skin and itchy skin. Many a time, those are associated one with the other, meaning the dry skin is leading to the itchy skin or is making the itchy skin problem worse. And a third problem, which is specific and special to patients who've had organ transplants, namely kidney transplants, is a higher risk of skin cancer. No, I know that. I'm on that like, you know, a cheap suit all over it. I'm Luckily, I have a little bit more olive skin, that helps aid in you not getting skin cancer if you have more of an olive tone. Is that correct, the darker skin? I think as a global statement, I would not make that assumption. And the fact that you have a certain color of skin or a certain complexion to, to your skin does not necessarily imply or give you a good gauge of where you stand in your skin cancer risk. It doesn't give me a pass. It does huh? not give you a pass. No, it does not. <laughs> and, uh, and the skin the skin complexion is only one factor that feeds into this big equation that ends up giving you your skin cancer risk. And these are individual. Each patient is is their own is their own entity and have their own risk. We can assess by some factors, how likely you are to get skin cancer, and that would translate into how frequently you would visit the doctor's office for skin cancer screening, or how concerned should you be with changing lesions for future references. But there are no guarantees, obviously, and these are just approximations by which you uh, you can raise or lower your level of awareness, but you still need to follow up with your dermatologist and general practitioner for skin cancer checks if you are a kidney transplant patient. And, you know, what causes, um, you know, the itch? <laughs> why do I itch? Or what do, why do my friends itch? <laughs> well, the itch is a very complex sensation, and it has many different levels throughout the body that feed into that sensation, starting with the skin itself and the way it is functioning and ending in the central nervous system. In chronic kidney patients, and in people who have chronic inflammatory conditions, many of these pathways, starting with normal skin function through nervous function and central nervous system function, are disrupted and are not working as they would under normal circumstances. And many of these issues 
cause itch or the sensation of itch. Dry skin is known to cause itch by the tendency to get irritated. And irritation causes the sensation of itch or burning. And that's, that's only one of the, one of the most superficial factors feeding into this problem. Beyond that, there are the nervous problem, which can exacerbate or, in fact, be the primary cause of itch. And there are other factors that feed into this, like the chronic inflammation, which can cause itch by affecting the skin and the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And sometimes medications can be involved as well. They cause or act on the central nervous system and peripheral nervous system, and some of them cause release of mediators or hormones that cause itch by themselves, like histamine, for instance. Well, um, I know when, you know, one of the things that's really difficult for people on dialysis is managing their phosphorus. And when you have a higher phosphorus, you itch, right? I mean, there's just no possible way to get out of the itch. Well, I think that working on the phosphorus levels with your nephrologist is an important issue for various reasons. But working with your dermatologist, there are things you can do to lower your itch sensation and, in fact, in some cases, get rid of it altogether. And that starts with skin care and proper skin care that should be and is often not tailored to your own needs and Mm -hmm. the way your skin functions. Well, you know, one of the things that is is important is I know for myself when I was on dialysis, and I still tend to get I'm on, more on the drier side of my skin, so I take a lot of different medication. I take steroids, I take um, you know my immune suppressant drugs, and at one time I know the average dialysis patient can take anywhere from nine to fourteen medications. Those medications alone are causing your skin probably problems, right? In addition to dialysis, they pull water off of you, so your water is being, the fluid is being shifted from your your cells to, you know, being able to be removed from you. So that's causing dry skin. So you got like a triple whammy working against you, and, you know, dry skin can be so uncomfortable or itchy skin, I should say. So, um, so what are some of the things we can do to help itchy skin? Well, I think the most important thing is to know your skin and know exactly what your skin needs from you. And that means you need to know if your skin is dry, if it is normal, or if it is oily, and work with that primary parameter and do anything to relieve specifically dry skin. If you have dry skin, you need to moisturize that skin, and you need to start with an approach of first do no harm. And that means that you need to help the skin by avoiding practices that make the skin drier. And in this day and age, soaping is a common practice among most people in our society. Soaping or indiscriminate soaping, more specifically, can dry skin out very effectively. And by that, I mean soaping yourself from head to toe, which is not necessary for the purposes of avoiding body odor. And body odor is, to my mind, the most important factor to be addressed by soaping Beyond which, for the average person living in the community, there's no need to soap yourself from head to toe because there's no dirt to get rid of. Unless you're in one of those dirt runs, right? Unless you're in a dirt run, that's right. So unless you're (laughs) doing something really extreme or extraordinary in your day-to-day practice or as a one-time experience, 
you really needn't do the soaping from head to toe, which a lot of us are guilty of, and that dries out the skin by itself. Not only does it dry out the skin, it gets rid of indiscriminately of oils that help the skin retain its moisture. It, the soaping gets rid of many bacteria that, interestingly enough, help the skin carry out a lot of its functions. Most of those interactions we don't even understand, but we certainly have those bacteria growing for the most part normally on our skin, and we get rid of them indiscriminately by soaping. The other thing that a lot of us do, and believe it's a healthy and necessary practice, is scrubbing of the skin or exfoliating of the skin. Right, with those salt rubs. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of these practices are adding injury, insult to, inju- insult to injury, where you are adding on top of the soaping where you're scraping away all the oils and bacteria, you're adding scrubbing, which is physical irritation to the skin. And those two practices, along with very hot water, boiling hot water, which is also a very prevalent practice in today's culture, three practices which can definitely be fine-tuned or avoided altogether and cause itchy and dry skin, especially in people who are prone to dry skin to begin with. Their skin is already sensitive. It's already trying to hold on to moisture and other factors for dear life with its last breath, and we're assaulting the skin with all these practices, which are not necessary, but mm-hmm. are advocated as very necessary and important practices. And I suspect that a lot of those, a lot of those calls to soak, scrub, and exfoliate your skin are coming from places that are more commercial in nature rather than healthcare concerns. This is true. And I know I was told, too, when you get out of the shower, it's the best time, you know, just pat off and then put your moisturizer on right then because then it can be absorbed better. That is absolutely correct. And what you want to do is pat yourself dry rather than then rub yourself dry with the towel, which adds another element of physical abrasion or physical irritation to the skin. So patting lightly is very important. And as you mentioned, leaving a fine or a thin film of moisture on your skin to be sealed off, if you will, by a moisturizer right there and then is very helpful to allow the skin to recover from whatever it is you did in the shower and retain whatever moisture it's had, it's, it's, it's had on its surface to begin with. And that is very important for you to carry on having relatively normal skin rather than dry skin right after showering. Well, you know, one of the things that I was just thinking about, I I think about my hair more than my skin. So I know that if I wash my hair every day, it is so dry and brittle. I can go like every other day. And then if I happen to go like three or four days, like I take a shower and I don't wash my hair, my hair really appreciates it. (laughs) Or if I've been in the hospital for like four days and I couldn't wash my hair, when I wash my hair after that, my hair looks better than ever. And um, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that feeds into the the point we've made previously where the skin does not, for the most part, need soap. The only areas on the skin that need soap, I'll I'll mention, because since we didn't touch uh, base on those, are the skin folds that make body odor, which are the Mm -hmm. armpits, the groin, and the buttocks. In women, the surface underneath the breasts can sometimes make body odor. Those can be soaked. The rest of the skin does not need to be soaked. Now, as far as the hair is concerned, many people shampoo their hair and wash their hair on a daily basis, where, in fact, that is not necessary. And, again, we're, we're going back to the point where you need to take care of your skin 
as your skin is intended to be cared for, which means that you need to know your skin and your hair. If your hair is oily, you may, and it bothers you, provided that it bothers you, you can use shampoo every now and again to wash out that grease. The grease is part of normal hair. That's what makes, what gives the hair its shine and its healthy structure and allows it to stay healthy and not break off. When you get dry hair, you get brittle hair. Brittle hair breaks off. It looks less healthy. It has less of a shine to it. And it's lackluster in color or in, in complexion. The shampooing does that. And what we do to offset shampooing and stripping off of the oils from the hair is we can condition. However, I think we're, we'd be much better off if we didn't shampoo in the first place if we didn't have to. And if we do need the shampoo for whatever reason, I'd encourage you to condition your hair right thereafter so you can restore some of the moisture to the hair and give it a, a shiny, healthier look. Yeah, that's, um, yep. I always use conditioner because uh, I can't get a comb through it if I don't do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you, do you have a preference between bathing or showering? Is, is, is there any benefit from one or the other? There is a conventional wisdom among dermatologists that bathing for people with very sensitive skin mm-hmm. is favorable to showering. And the, the rationale is that the shower head the sprinkles with the with the drops falling on one's skin can be abrasive to the skin. Now, I think that it is not a deal breaker as far as your skin care is concerned. I would add that as maybe a last resort step if things are not working out for you, bathing rather than showering. The one thing that bathing does do is it allows the skin to soak up moisture over a longer period of time because there's a greater interface for the water and the skin and it is more stable rather than the, than the sprinkling shower heads. But I trained in the, in the Northeast where there's plenty more water to be had and baths were regularly recommended to patients, especially in the winter, patients with dry, itchy skin. I think that in California, uh, where we do have a water shortage, it's something that I would consider doing. Mm-hmm. It's not a must necessarily, but if it's something you've tried doing and you think is benefiting your skin in the way that we've mentioned, it's definitely worth carrying on that way. Well, I know um, I learned a lesson when I was younger. I thought, oh, I'm going to take a bath and, you know, moisturize and put baby oil in the bath water. That Now, that wasn't a good idea because it makes the bathtub very slippery. <laughs> right, right. And the other but, thing that people like putting in baths, which is a lot more, uh, a lot more bothersome or a lot more abrasive is to put uh, some sort of a, a bubbling agent into or suds into the bathtub. And that is a big problem that actually strips away everything and much better than a shower would. So I would, oh, if, wow. if you were to bathe, I would bathe in lukewarm water, nothing in the water. If you want to soap anything like the, the skin folds that we've mentioned, you can use a, a sponge or maybe a tiny bit of, of uh, soap in your palm to, to soap those areas. And, uh, and take care of the body odor that way, but certainly not add bubbles to your bath. Oh, man. No Mr. Bubble? <laughs> no Mr. Bubble, no. <laughs> now, what kind of moisturizer do you suggest would be, you know, the best kind? Is there a certain brand, more expensive, cheap? Is there a product that, or a certain ingredient in a product that's really important? I think that the most important thing is to know if you've had a moisturizer that's worked for you over the years and you like it, it's not irritating your skin, by all means, go ahead and use it. 
My most preferred moisturizers are the moisturizers that are more greasy or creamy because they stick better to the skin and those that are fragrance and dye free, meaning that they don't smell like flowers, jasmine or lilac or anything fancy. In fact, they're supposed to be scentless and they don't, they're not colored interestingly. They don't have a green or orange or blue color or green color. They are completely colorless. And that means that they don't have ingredients that do not belong on the skin in the first place, don't serve any purpose as far as moisturization is concerned, and you're not running the risk of experiencing allergic or irritant reactions to both components in the product. Those are the those are probably the three most important points about any product that you want to buy. Well, and I, I've found these whipped whipped cream lotions that are, you know, maybe it's because I like whipped cream. But uh, it, it's interesting because they do actually go on the skin much easier. They're like whipped a bunch of times. Is that just a marketing gimmick <laughs> that I'm falling right. for? I think some of them are marketing gimmicks. For, for me, most importantly, is is for you to pick a moisturizer that you would be you would be eager to use and would like to use. This and is that so means true. That you need to like the texture and you need to be inclined to use it on your skin. Because my recommendation. For the best moisturizer ideally to be used as far as I'm concerned is petroleum jelly, the white brand, the white store brand, which mm-hmm. means that it's pure petroleum jelly with nothing in it. It sticks to the skin, holds on to the skin, doesn't irritate the skin because it's completely inert and doesn't interact with anything and is very, very cheap. And that's an ideal moisturizer right there on paper. However, many patients do not like applying grease to their skin because it sticks to clothes. They don't like the texture of it. And then be a lot less inclined to using it despite my recommendation. And as far as I'm concerned, that would defeat the purpose of their moisturizing the skin if I were to give them only one option. As far as I'm concerned, using the option that suits you best and does not irritate your skin would be my preferred uh, method of moisturizing. And I would stress the fact that you need to moisturize your skin in the frequency that your skin tells you to moisturize. Meaning, whenever your skin gets dry and different body parts get drier in different frequencies, the legs and the arms being drier than the torso, for instance, Mm -hmm. certainly more dry than the faces. The face is naturally very oily for most of us, but the arms and the legs are drier, and those are areas that are worth paying attention to, and whenever those get dry, moisturizing them helps retain moisture on the skin again restore moisture to the skin and avoid itch over developing over these areas, which is a result of dry skin, plain and simple. And, you know, I know for me, when I was on dialysis, I was on a fluid limit, but now I have a, a working transplant and I need to drink a lot. So if you don't have any fluid limitations, getting enough water every day helps your skin, right? <laughs> and just I, in I, general? I'd say the recommendation that I would make for general health purposes, the water that you drink, you definitely need to be hydrated as a general rule. It uh, the, the skin itself, the function of the skin in the short run, is not affected directly by the amount of water that you drink, but more of with the function of, by the function of the skin or its ability to produce the components that hold on to moisture. Okay. And that, that's, the main, that's one of the main ingredients that are disrupted in patients with dry skin. They're just not able to hold on to moisture. And they can drink a lot of water, but their skin function is not going to benefit from that directly. Okay, that makes sense because so I always I have dry skin. 
I always have dry skin. I put lotion, and then, you know, I'm dry, you know, six hours later. So I could just live in a vat of petroleum jelly because it's, you know, it's just really difficult for me. But I have to work at it to not have dry skin. Now, for people in drier climates, um, I remember at the meeting you suggested a humidifier. And um, I had a humidifier for a while, then it broke, but I didn't get another one. And maybe I need to go invest in another one because those really do help when you're in a desert climate like we are in um, California. I would recommend that. And specifically, a humidifier for the bedroom while you're sleeping is the most important part of the humidifier recommendation. And that is because nighttime is where most people sleep and don't have uh, don't have are not awake to moisturize their skin while losing moisture just the same through their skin, evaporating through their skin. And the humidifier introduces moisture into the air surrounding you and your bed and allows you to retain a lot more moisture that way. And that's why I recommend having a humidifier in the bedroom, especially for people with very dry skin. And I and I agree, the drier climate definitely justifies at least trying a humidifier and see what it does for you. So moisturize before you go to bed and turn on the humidifier to allow the skin to retain the moisture more effectively. Well, I have all these great tips. I'm going to go apply them. And, you know, one thing that just really stood out to me that you said is about a moisturizer. And I think I'm going to go to the mall and get it. But there's a specific cream that I like. And I don't have any of it right now. So I have these other various bottles kind of around the house. And I don't really like it. And I think um, that was so valuable is having something you like to use that you'll put on regularly. So, uh, Dr. Beebe, if um, people want to get a hold of you, how do they reach you? Well, thanks, Laurie. Uh, and, and anybody who has any additional questions is welcome to contact me. I work at uh, Bettis Dermatology, which is located on 1624 West Olive Avenue in Burbank, California. Mm-hmm. And our phone number is 818-729-9149. And I encourage anybody who has additional questions and would like to Tailor make and personalize their skincare to contact me and make an appointment, and I would be more than happy to see them and discuss any questions they may have. And you can also contact him at Lisa, L I S A, Benest, B E N E S T M D dot com. Well, thank you so much and uh, for all the great information, and uh, we'll try to stay moisturized. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.